Hey guys, it's Chase, the csjoseph.life, doing another episode for season 22. This is season 22, episode 8. What are the cognitive transitions of ENFPs? And uh, it's taken me a little bit to uh, get to this particular episode, but mostly because we're dealing with Ultimate Messaging Formulas release, uh, which has been very successful. And I'm very happy that uh, people have been able to use the Ultimate Messaging Formula, not just for sales and marketing, but for basically literally everything. I guess it's probably because like, you know, the worksheets help people uh, figure out what their type is and also help other people, um, you know, learn what their type is. And it's an excellent tool. It basically helps you expand your knowledge of the type grid. Uh, and I'm just very thankful for the amount of success it's been able to um, bring this community and uh, help uh, help people along their journey in terms of understanding how to psychoanalyze themselves and other people. So, which is fantastic. Why am I bringing it up? I'm bringing it up because ENFPs specifically, I've kind of noticed that like, probably compared to other people out of all of the types, ENFPs seem to be the ones that struggle the most with typing others. And having this tool available really assists uh, ENFPs uh, in being able to uh, type other people. And I actually put it in front of a few of my ENFP uh, friends and associates, and uh, they said they, they were pretty happy uh, with it and it made a lot of sense and it is increasing their understanding to be able to have something in writing to refer to back and forth uh, to help them with their inductive reasoning and kind of teach them a little bit more about potentially using deductive reasoning, even though that's kind of hard for them because of TI Trickster to actually get to the point where uh, they will be able to, uh, you know, type themselves and others pretty efficiently or at least accurately. So that's kind of like the uh, the intent behind uh, the tool in as much as also helping people communicate with each other as well. But uh, be that as it may, we're talking about cognitive transitions today. We're talking about the four sides of the mind, and we are talking about ENFPs and their approach to it. So ENFPs uh, have ENFP ego. They have ISTJ subconscious, INFJ uh, shadow, aka unconscious, and ESTP demon uh, or parasite, etc. But uh, from this point of view, yeah, ENFPs uh, four sides of mind like everyone else, and you know what are the what are their cognitive transitions? Um, so we're gonna be talking about that a little bit today in terms of like how they get uh, into the other sides of their mind. Why am I doing this? I'm doing this if you guys remember, like when it comes to uh, uh, you know the four sides of the mind or the form of Jungian analytical psychology that I'm teaching here on YouTube and on the podcast, whatever, is that every now and then, and it's funny that this is very common with ENFPs, every now and then I have people who are like, well, you know, well, sometimes, you know, I'm an ENFP, but sometimes, you know, I, I feel like, I feel like an INFP. And I'm like, no, guys, that's not, that's not actually how that works. It's not how it works at all. Because this is a completely different type with a different four sides of the mind. Uh, when people are talking about, well, you know, right now I'm feeling more extroverted or I'm feeling really introverted right now, that's not the approach to take. Uh, so with that, understand is that when you're moving from one side of your mind to another, because this is your ego, etc., 
if you're going from your ego to your subconscious, it requires a cognitive transition. And that's how you could feel extroverted in one minute and introverted in the next. And that's kind of, uh, I think that's the entire point uh, behind cognitive transition and is to help people understand, you know, why one day they could feel like an I or an E, even though like I completely reject uh, the MBTI letter dichotomies. I even released, I think it's a season... 15 episode uh so if you go to like um you go to uh, this youtube channel you go to playlists you go to season 15 uh and uh, in season 15 uh, you have the ability to see the mbti letter dichotomies debunked uh or another way to see that i think it's at csjoseph.life forward slash type grid and just scroll down you'll see the video there as well uh but what this lecture explains is that the MBTI letter dichotomies are insanely inaccurate and a complete and utter waste of time. I mean, from like a testing standpoint, especially since a lot of TE users, especially affiliative TE users, uh, affiliative people usually put way too much weight on the, t on the online tests and the tests are only like uh, one out of five accurate. But when you mix a TE user, AKA, um, you know, a bow user, a bow and spear for the terminology within the ultimate messaging formula, when you take a, a TE user and you combine that with affiliative, so affiliative TE users, which are basically um, all of the philosopher types, philosopher types end up putting way too much faith into the MBTI test even though the letter dichotomy sucks, the online tests are only one out of five accurate. And it's no wonder that, you know, they, they try to type everybody with the test and they get like incorrect results. And it's an absolute total screw up. It, it, it's a waste of time. And they're in, and it ends up causing a lot of problems for them, especially since they're basing hiring decisions and they're basing uh, business decisions, education decisions, uh, even relationship decisions uh, based on these inaccurate test results, right? And again, you know, when you're looking at the MBTI letters, you know, the letters do not detect the four sides of the mind. They don't detect cognitive transition or the human being's capacity to be able to move between the different four sides of the mind on a regular basis. So this is very important for uh, people to be aware of, especially philosopher types and especially ENFPs because ENFPs have a serious weakness known as TI trickster, which means, uh, ENFPs subscribe to this perspective of, well, there's no such thing as absolute truth. There's no anything can be true. It's all about what you believe. And that is a very incorrect point of view um, because to, from their point of view, principles are uh, more real or, or actually real, whereas you know truth is not real. It's actually subjective. So the ENFP maintains that truth is subjective when the reality of the situation is, is that's not necessarily the case. But again, this could be like a debate that could go towards the end of time. I'm not entirely sure about that. But be that as it may, uh, they can get over that weakness with their TE child by making sure that they're constantly researching tons of resources, being as objective as possible, even though extroverted thinking child in of its own right is actually contains subjective beliefs. And that's why uh, ENFPs out of all the types are the most subjective of all the types and the least objective. A lot of people have a hard time with me uh, when I say that they're the least objective, but it's a fact, but that's okay. We need them to be super subjective because 
with how theoretical they are, they actually can cause people to think differently. And then as a result, they actually have the ability to arrive to a conclusion of absolute truth as a result of their lifelong journey and as a result of getting through all of their cognitive transitions to that end, right? So a lot of people don't realize this. A lot of people, uh, I mean, why would they? It's really complicated, let's be honest. So what I'm trying to do now is help ENFPs understand the four sides of the mind fundamentally and how they're able to basically become different people at uh, any point in time uh, within, you know, within their mind based on th their situation, based on their human nurture, because you have nature versus nurture, etc. And ENFPs have it a little bit differently. I'm just going to get... Uh, get my uh, really cool uh, wand out for this. Um, so yeah, uh, also I'm experimenting with this new microphone. So tell me how it goes, guys. I hope, uh, I also hope the lighting is good. Uh, I had my team take a look at it recently and it seems like the lighting is good. It's a new camera as well. So tell me, let me know in the comments below what your guys is, uh, if you like this camera, if you like the sound system, if you like the lighting um, and also, uh, I like paintings, so if you guys are into painting and it speaks to me, I wouldn't mind featuring it on my wall here. Uh, but, uh, you know, so uh, if you want to do that, I guess you could potentially email support at csjoseph.life uh, with that information. Uh, so, so yeah, just something to uh, consider. Or you can reach out to me on Instagram at csjoseph.life. Or, uh, wait, no, at cs.joseph, excuse me. So, anyway, on with the show. So ENFPs, how do you identify an ENFP? So ENFPs, you identify them, they are informative, initiating movement, they are triple movement. Movement means progression. Progression means they're more focused on the journey instead of the outcome. So an ENFP is going to make attempt after attempt after attempt after attempt after attempt with uh, towards a goal without any planning. That's basically what they're, they skip all the planning and they go attempt, 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 attempt. Planning doesn't mean that much. Whereas an outcome-based person or a control-based person focuses on um, just one attempt, but with all of the planning behind that one attempt. It's a different way of doing things, but ENFPs have that preference of, you know what, screw the planning, I'm just going to attempt as much as I can and then learn from all of those mistakes and then do it better every time until I finally get it. So they end up living this life of trial and error and it's no different than my type ENTPs and honestly trial and error is a really fantastic way uh, to be uh, successful and it definitely works for them because they move super fast. I mean, no one's faster than an ENFP. I mean, you could argue an INTJ is faster than an ENFP, but it's I don't know. It's a, it's a real toss up sometimes. Sometimes I think because the ENFP is more of a starter that they actually move faster than an INTJ, but that's just my personal opinion. I don't know if that's something that we could say state as fact. Uh, if you want to uh, share with me your thoughts on that, leave that in the comments below and we'll take a look. So, um, so yeah, they're in form initiating movement. They're starter types. They have a hard time finishing things that they start. That's awesome. So they have the starter type on the type grid. They're also uh, very abstract, they're very affiliative. We already talked about affiliative, they're focused on doing the right things. Uh, the abstract means they're focused on the what if, it comes from their expert intuition hero. They are intuitive, they're all about what if or what may happen uh, instead of necessarily the what is, etc. Um, they're also insanely adaptable. You can look at expert intuition as something that's all about, you know, it's all about adaptation, whereas introverted sensing is more about self-discipline, it's about endurance or 
to endure. Extroverted sensing is all about reacting, uh, etc. And then introvert intuition is all about proacting, being proactive, getting ahead of things in that way. That is expert intuition. And then extroverted sensing uh, demon is reactivity. This is why ENFPs have the lowest reaction time out of all the types. Uh, to on par with ENTPs, my type also has the lowest reaction time. We can get higher reaction time if we are trained, if we're able to endure a lot of pain, and, as, and if we're experiencing that same kind of pain or trauma or obstacle in our life, we will be able to react to it quickly, right? So that's something for you to consider uh, with SI inferior. Uh, because ENFPs, especially when they start to aspire with their SI inferior, their introverted sensing inferior, they can actually endure more pain and pressure than everybody else in as much as an ENTP can. Although I would say that ENFPs are slightly more sensitive than ENTPs and would not be able to endure as much, and that's because of their introverted feeling parent, which makes them you know, emotionally sensitive and all about their morals, and they end up making decisions more so based on their mood and not necessarily based on the facts of the situation, right? Which, you know, it, it, that can be advantageous because then uh, they're able to actually know the value of things, they're able to qualify things, understanding qualifications, they end up valuing qualifications uh, as a result, or at least other people's qualifications uh, because their extroverted uh, thinking child is all about seeing what other qualifications people have and they use introverted feeling to qualify themselves or what they believe is their own qualification. And let's be honest, guys, like quantitative versus qualitative. Qualitative is, in some cases, insanely subjective. And this is why we need ENFPs, because they help us navigate that subjectivity in order to get us thinking about those things in a more objective format. That's why they exist. Uh, it's very nice to have ENFPs around to be able to do that and to uh, to put that forward. So, so yeah, uh, so they're the idealist uh, disposition or temperament. Uh, the idealists are, again, they're abstract, they're affiliative. Uh, they're also very interest-based. So an ENFP, an interest-based ENFP, which is all of them, uh, they are, they're all about trying to get the win-win. Uh, and this is where, you know, there's a lot of conflict, uh, you know, amongst uh, people with ENFPs because ENFPs sometimes can become so selfish and depraved with their introverted sensing inferior and their FI parent combining together that they are okay to have win-lose situations where they're the winner and the other person, you know, they don't necessarily know they're in a lose. I mean, a great example of that recently is there is an ENFP uh, who um, was a uh, who bought all of the hand sanitizer uh, from the local store. Um, and uh, it's because like we had a, um, a coronavirus uh, death, uh, you know, uh, in this locale, in this area in Northern California. And an ENFP went to as many local stores as he could and he purchased all of the uh, hand sanitizer. And then he listed it on eBay at like three or four times the price, basically, because for him, it's like, yes, I'm getting myself a win here. I'm going to make a lot of money off of this, which is funny because most hand sanitizer doesn't even actually uh, benefit people, uh, doesn't actually remove viruses. It's more of an antibacterial agent, not exactly an antiviral. Uh, I guess it depends on the kind of sanitizer you get. But people don't know that. So they have this thing of perceived value. And that's why from an ENFP point of view, they, um, you know, they, they say lines like, um, like an old, uh, an old friend of mine who was an ENFP named Jay Maricati. He actually said, uh, good old Jay, uh, he'd tell me, um, 
you know, in the absence of communication or in the absence of explanation, perceptions become reality and people perceive that hand sanitizer has value. So, uh, you know, this guy, he knew that he bought all the hand sanitizer and he listed online for sale at eBay, for example, for three or four times the price. Interestingly enough, a little bit afterwards, uh, <laughs> uh, eBay banned the sale of hand sanitizer. And then all of a sudden I get to hear my wife Railgun say, oh, Look at look at eBay cracking down on those NFPs, you know, and I'm like, whoa, yeah. So that's just an example, and it's because ENFPs are aware of what is possible, and they are aware of, uh, you know, what people are getting out of things, what they are getting out of things, and because they are aware of what people know and what they don't know with their TE child and what people might want, they're able to create a situation of perceived value where they can end up selling somebody something that they don't want. You ever hear about snake oil and snake oil salesmen, etc.? Hey, buy this thing, it'll give you these benefits when they don't really don't do that. That's kind of more of an ENFP thing. And a lot of people end up being manipulated by ENFPs because ENFPs can become so depraved and they have that whole used car salesman stereotype and they themselves are not even aware that they come off that way to other people. So that's an example of a more of a, a negative outlook of what an ENFP could look like. A positive outlook, and the reason why we're talking about these positive or negative outlooks is because when we're talking about cognitive transitions, you can cognitive transition from a chaotic point of view or you can cognitive transition from an orderly view. And if you're cognitive transitioning between the four sides of your mind in a chaotic point of view, you're going to have very viceful results. But if you wanna be closer to your virtues, um, which for example, the virtue and vice of, um, of, of an ENFP, we have uh, for ourselves uh, charity and we have depravity, which is basically the worst form of selfishness. So charity versus depravity in that regard. If, if, um, if an ENFP is more immature with using their mind and they don't have as well-developed neural pathways because they're not practicing virtue as much as they're practicing vice, uh, they end up having more chaotic uh, transitions, which brings them closer to their vice. If you don't know about virtue and vice and you're watching this channel for the first time, go to the, go to the playlist on this YouTube channel uh, and then look up um, season seven and watch the uh, ENFP episode, which I believe is season seven, episode eight. Uh, charity versus depravity to understand how important that is. Now, when they are doing an orderly transition that gets them more closer to their virtue of charity, which is absolutely integral to an ENFP, uh, because they're more charitable they are, then they don't realize, then they don't have that reputation of being selfish. And ENFPs end up walking around having a reputation of being depraved and selfish, and they don't even realize that they come off to other people in this way. This is why Templar types exist, because Templar types end up calling out ENFPs in order to sharpen them and cause them to act in better character instead of having bad character because ENFPs, because of the depravity of, of vice, ENFPs have the highest chances out of all the types to become charlatans, right? And, uh, and Templar types like ESTPs, ISTPs, uh, ENFJs, INFJs can detect that charlatanry and using their introverted thinking and their extroverted feeling uh, functions at the same time provide constructive criticism and and also using their extroverted sensing in there as well, their NI, NI functions as well, they end up exposing the ENFPs publicly. 
So what happens when you have a viceful, depraved ENFP, they get exposed to other people, literally publicly shamed. Uh, and uh, public shaming is really important because public shaming is the best thing to get TE child to wake up and then, and then as a result of TE child waking up because it's in cognitive access with FI parent. FI parent also wakes up as well. And FI parent, uh, you know, introverted feeling, that's Spear, this is Bo. Uh, so they have a really, uh, they have a, you know, it's, their Spear is not really sharp. It's very dull, for example. Well, that Spear gets dull, that, get, that, spe that Spear gets sharpened as soon as the ENFP's TE child's like, oh crap, I've just been publicly shamed. Everyone is now thinking less about me. Which is funny, because when you combine TE child with any hero, uh, ENFPs are like, okay, well, uh, I've just been like people are thinking this way, you know, whatnot, and then they end up imagining with their NI villain, they end up imagining to themselves that other people are constantly thinking about them when the reality situation is it's not happening, which is why it's necessary for Templar types in order to get rid of the depravity and get them closer to charity have to provide public constructive criticism because ENFPs, because they're TE child and extroverted thinkers have all this problem, but they usually don't listen to just one person speaking to them. They have to hear it from multiple people, especially ENFPs. They have to hear it from a big group of people telling them all the same thing before they start to believe it and then they decide that to uh, make some change, which is why Templar types are predisposed and publicly shaming ENFPs in order to get uh, ENFPs to actually grow up and, uh, and be better. So if you have like, a, for example, like from a parenting point of view, um, there's this ENFP I know and he's, uh, he's 18, uh, doesn't have a job, uh, lives at his parents' house, uh, doesn't really do anything and uh, isn't going to college uh, and he, all he does is just play video games and jack off the entire time, literally adding no value whatsoever. So what, <laughs> what I advised, uh, what I advised uh, his father to do, I told his father, okay, hey, you know, why don't you go on social media uh, you're all on Facebook, right? Yeah, how often is he on Facebook? He's on Facebook every day. He's always on Facebook on his phone. I'm like, okay, cool, great. So go on Facebook and make a post about him and taking some photos of him, you know, being lazy and whatnot and uh, playing video games and post it online for all of your Facebook friends and, you know, and, and tag him and whatnot so people see it. And then tell him after you posted it, I will take it down after you go get a job, for example. And then all of a sudden, he's real motivated to actually do that. See, everyone thinks public shaming is unhealthy. It's actually very healthy. For more on that, read John Ronson's book, So You Have Been Publicly Shamed. John Ronson is some guy that works at The Guardian in the UK. He's actually an INFP, which is pretty interesting. But um, while John Ronson has a very negative view of public shaming uh, within uh, that book, it's actually a very, very useful teaching tool for Templar types to employ to get philosophers to basically wake up from their slumber and actually change for the better. Uh, it's just good luck finding a Templar type that's actually willing to do it. Oh wait, ESTPs are willing to do that. And there's a reason why ESTP happens to be the superego of the ENFP because the superego of the ENFP is already going out of its way to expose the ENFP. And it's as if the ENFP is trying to hide their superego from other people because it doesn't want to be exposed. So, and this is just necessary for ENFPs to understand from a personal growth standpoint as to why that is necessary. Because if that continues to happen, they're never going to get into their charity uh, virtue. And the reason why is, is because the, the, 
they're being enabled. Their FI parents and their SI inferior is being enabled by the SEFE users in their lives. And they're actually being enabled by other people because everyone's too afraid to, to shame them so that they actually end up grow. Because fear of shame, fear in terms of introverted sensing inferior, fear of shame is how you get an ENFP to be motivated for positive change, personal growth, Kaizen, continuous improvement, being on the path to enlightenment or cognitive integration, etc. All of those things are absolutely critical, right? Absolutely critical. And uh, ENFPs, you know, they're not even aware of this. They're, they're completely oblivious to this. Why? Well, it's because the obvious, which is expert sensing demon, the obvious is completely escapes them. I know because I have expert sensing de demon and the obvious definitely escapes me. And it's very interesting that I'm married to an ESTP because she exposes me all the time. Railgun exposes me all the time. And you know what? She's not even intentionally trying to expose me, but she does all the time in fact we were in rei earlier today and she exposed me in front of uh in front of the worker uh, who was helping us get fit for our backpacks and whatnot and uh she didn't even realize she did it she didn't even realize that she exposed me but that's what she does she just naturally exposes all the things even though she just doesn't she's not aware that she does it. it's just so natural to her right well it's natural for enfps to go either charity or depravity mode and then that could be a problem and that's why they when they're interest-based they they like you know an interest-based person who's very charitable when they're having a win-win for somebody it's all about you know they're, they're trying to seek a win-win okay you were in this situation you're gonna win i'm gonna win it's gonna be even it's gonna be fair good to go right but depraved enfps it's like oh we're gonna have a situation i don't care if you win or lose I always win. That's why it's always going to be in the fine print, right? Or that's why you don't actually know that I'm heavily benefiting. As long as you don't know that I'm benefiting way more than you. I mean, you're ignorant. You don't know any better. So you're not going to get hurt by that. So it's okay, right? You're not going to get hurt by that, right? So because you're not going to get hurt by it because, you know, their FE critic is like, well, they ain't going to get hurt by it. And they don't know they're going to get hurt by it. They have no clue. So and what they don't know can't hurt them, right? How many times have you ever heard of that? What they don't know can't hurt them. Oh, yeah, that's right. It was coined by ENFPs. You see what I'm saying? So ENFPs end up getting this reputation over time. I don't care if they're the, the, the best ENFP. I don't care if they're well-respected. I don't care if they're highly regarded or very reputable. They still, at some point in their life, will have a reputation for being a sleazebag. I'm sorry. That's just normal because human beings alternate back and forth between their virtue and their vice of their archetype and their virtue and vice is charity versus depravity. And they will be, they'll either have a reputation for charity or they will have a reputation for depravity. What's a really good example of this? A great example of this would be the Prophet Muhammad. The Prophet Muhammad is an ENFP. And, uh, you know, he's a big time philosopher because the ENFP is a philosopher type. And then the TE child is all about the rules. And it's the divine child talking about God's divine rules as written in the Quran, etc. That whole uh, point of view. Um, but then there's, there's, um, and he's always talking about charity. One of the five pillars of faith, according to Islam, is charity. And charity is, uh, is a big, big deal. Um, also, they're very against uh, usury, which is uh, loaning on interest, etc., which which I think is fantastic. I mean, if you think about it, from uh, you know, Islam has a lot of things figured out 
fundamentally as a belief system that a lot of other belief systems don't have figured out that I kind of wish other belief systems would. And I guess it also would make sense that, you know, when you look at other belief systems like Judaism, that they're actually diametrically opposed uh, to, um, you know, an Islamic system because, for example, Judaism has uh, or allows usury, whereas Islam does not allow usury, right? And this is one of the principles, the FI parent principles that was utilized by the Prophet Muhammad to make sure that his virtue of charity was also being adopted by all of his followers, right? You know, but then again, the Prophet Muhammad, his fault or not his fault, still ended up getting a reputation for depravity and for selfishness. How many times have we heard about the Prophet Muhammad being accused of being married to a very, very underage girl, like a nine-year-old or something like that? I don't. Uh, I think her name was like Asha or something like that, or um, or Aisha or Aisha. I I don't know. I don't. I'm not really well studied in that point. Now, as to whether or not the Prophet Muhammad did anything wrong or not, that's not for me to say. But what I am saying is that people's perception, even to this very day, about the Prophet Muhammad is that he was being depraved because he was married to a child, right? And now some people would argue that he did that to, to protect her and whatnot, but that's not for me to say. I'm not, I'm not like an Islamic philosopher here, and I don't have really any authority on it. But what I'm talking about is, is the external perception that uh, ENFPs give off to other people, and they're just completely ignorant to it. And they're ignorant to it because a TI trickster is not really aware of the truth of that, per, of that perception and the SE demon is not aware of how they physically come off or how they or how other people react to them, basically, right? And this is a major struggle that ENFPs have. So what do they have to do to get out of it? Well, when they're using their cognitive transitions, they and they, each of the four sides of the mind they have to do it in such a way to get rid of the depravity. And this is why charity is their virtue, because charity, when they're charitable, and let's, what's the difference between charity and generosity? Let's just say, because people always ask me, because I always talk about ENTJs being generous. Generosity is you give something big to one person. That's generosity. Whereas charity is you give something small to a lot of people at once, right? That's the difference. So charity, because they're giving so much to other people, this allows an ENFP, for example, to have the reputation of being giving. That way, they're always fighting against having that reputation of depravity, a reputation of being selfish, reputation of being a sleazebag charlatan, reputation of being lazy, a reputation of being entitled, a reputation of... Um, potentially uh, being a hoe. I don't know how many times I've heard ENFP women like really dressing majorly slutty when they go out and they get all those cat calls from all those guys and it's like, okay, what did you what did you just get there, right? It, it would be like, you know, why why dress that way out in public? You know what I mean? Like, what are you really getting out of it, right? Are you it's are you so desperate that, of trying to feel wanted and and so desperate of trying to gain status for yourself with your TE child that that's what you're trying to do? See, that's that's the problem. So, anyway, anyway, 
So when an ENFP is cognitive transitioning, why do they cognitive transition? Well, any type cognitive transitions to solve various obstacles or issues in their life that their ego would not be able to handle to do. So life, life is pain, guys. Everyone knows that life is pain. And then when life throws an obstacle or a trial or a tribulation or a problem, your mind tries to solve it. And your mind will instantly try to use your ego to solve the problem. Well, the thing is, is that the ego, the ENFP ego in this case, doesn't always solve the problem. So as a result of that, they have to transition into one of the other sides of the mind to solve those problems. Although sometimes ENFP likes to make that Faustian deal with the devil and do what is expedient instead of what is meaningful. And then as a result of that, they end up getting to a point where it's like, hey, you know, for this problem I'm going to have, I'm not going to bother using my subconscious because I'm afraid of it. I'm not going to bother using my shadow because I'm worried about it. What I am going to do is I'm just going to use my, uh, my super ego to do it because it's the most powerful, right? The problem is when you uh, make an exchange with the devil, right, uh, you gain an inch, but the devil gains a mile. The devil will take a mile away from you in exchange for one inch, right? And you're actually worse off than you were before. And this is the difference between a curse and a blessing because when you think of return on investment, when you get something less than what you put into something, that is a curse. When you get more back in return than what you put into it, that is a blessing, right? And this is very key to ENFPs because in order for them to live a life of blessing, guess what? Their FI parent needs to get to a point, right, where it's like, okay, hey, I need to be grateful. And showing others gratitude through charity is how they end up having that reputation of being charitable. And then they end up developing their virtue, which provides healthier cognitive transitions, which means they're able to utilize the four sides of their mind in a healthy way, in a charitable way, instead of a depraved way. So, but let's talk about the cognitive transitions. There are four gateways to cognitive transition with. There's your hero function, that's the first gateway. Your inferior function, that's the second gateway. The third gateway is known as the villain function, and the fourth gateway is known as the demon function. Each of these gateways are here. Uh, this is where uh, the hero function is where a person's irresponsibility versus responsibility exists. The inferior function is where a person's fear versus faith exists. Uh, the villain function is where a person's worry versus certainty exists. And the demon function is basically um, where a person's hatred versus love exists, right? And in order to uh, cognitive transition in a healthy way, you need to stop using the negative components, the chaotic components of your cognitive transitions, of your cognitive gateways, and instead use the more um, uh, useful, uh, virtue-oriented, orderly transitions, right? So uh, when an ENFP is being irresponsible with their first gateway, they end up becoming insanely selfish and depraved, willing to sacrifice their fellow human beings in exchange for their I win button. That's where it's like, hey, you know, they don't know what they're, they don't know what the value of the situation is. They don't know what they don't know can't hurt them, right? So I'm justified in taking from them and they don't even realize, you know. Uh, ENFPs are usually the fastest to go for handouts. They're usually the fastest, you know, and it's like, hey, you gave me all this stuff, but hey, I never agreed to give anything to give you back. So that's on you. That's not on me. You know, it's not my fault you didn't know. It's not my fault that you didn't read the fine print, right? And they end up having this, you know, this point of view, and it's really frustrating, right? But they can become such amazing people if they're charitable. ENFP is running charitable organizations like, uh, um, you know, and uh, 501c3s and nonprofits that can change people's lives, like the Humane Society or 
blood banks or getting a coalition of uh, religious institutions or churches or mosques together and getting this big coalition together where everyone pulls all that money into one bank account and then they partner up with a hospital conglomerate and bring in a hospital into like a county of some kind or, or a city of some kind that doesn't have one that is really need of it, which then brings in a whole bunch of jobs, up to 3,000 new jobs to that particular city because they have a new hospital there with lots of doctors and nurses and janitorial staff and it's just lots of jobs. It also brings in a lot of families that move to that city because people are having jobs which creates additional parishioners and people to go to the mosque and people to go to the churches, etc. And everybody benefits. This vision is an example of the power of an ENFP because an ENFP is able to get other people to think about how we can have a better tomorrow and how because I am charitable as an ENFP because I am showing others that I am grateful and the power of charity, I'm going to teach you the power of charity so that you could be charitable and then end up bringing way more people in and more money in for everybody. And this is where you're going to give a little to get a lot back and it creates a huge return on investment for everyone involved. And this is when an ENFP is able to use a win-win to everyone's advantage, not just a win-lose to their own advantage. See, that's the difference between a depraved and charitable ENFP. So with that being said, with that being said, uh, cognitive transitions. So, uh, but you know, when they're uh, when they're transitioning in a uh, uh, an orderly manner, well, guess what happens? They're in their ENFP and they're being very grateful, and they end up having that reputation of of charity, and they're giving to other people, and uh, and then that becomes part of their daily routine. Charity becomes their routine, and that's. Uh, a very good orderly manner of that one of the first side of their mind, basically. But the uh, but the other side's mind is a little bit different. If they're uncertain about things, they start to about worrying about what they want. The ENFP starts to worry about lost opportunities, and they end up uh, trying to chase after every opportunity, after every opportunity, after every opportunity. And because they're constantly chasing after every opportunity, ENFPs like like opportunities and relationships. Oh, I really like that guy, but I really like that guy too, and I really like that guy too. So they end up sleeping with all of them and trying to like make sure that none of them know, you know, that that's the case. I actually dated an ENFP at one point in time, and I took her out on a date. And then I brought her back and then I went uh, and then, you know, I was like, okay. But then I went to a bar just to go hang out or whatever, play some pool. And then she brought in another date in that, that night. And it's like, okay, wow, really? You really can't decide, huh? Because you don't want to lose out on any opportunities, right? Well, I've also, like my ENFP mentor, uh, he did the same thing. Good guy. Um, fantastic fellow. My ENFP mentor well, he had this thing where he'd always be chasing business opportunities and he could never actually finish any of the opportunities that he get, would get done. And that's because he's constantly worrying about his own future because he doesn't know which opportunity is going to bring him the most return on investment or the most blessing basically to his life. That's a really big deal. And so NI, uh, NI uh, nemesis or NI villain in this case, that's literally how that works, right? A big problem, right? So how do you how do you get around that? Well, they need to be more certain. And when they're certain, they have to in order to get certainty out, 
ENFPs have to like literally close out everybody uh, in their life. They got to shut the door. They got to be alone. They have to spend a lot of time alone because once they're alone and they're not focusing, there isn't anything to distract them in that situation. Then they're able to focus because introvert intuition is all about a person's focus, right? And then they themselves are able to focus and then they're able to realize which opportunities are the ones that are actually real. And then they can start working to finish and focus on that one opportunity to make sure that they're getting the maximum amount of blessing because you can't, uh, you know, you got to choose one rabbit, but if you chase both rabbits, you're going to lose them both. It's the same concept when it comes to ENFPs, definitely something that they need to learn and their INFJ, uh, shadow when they're transitioning their shadow, that's basically what they end up doing is that they're more certain. And then because of that, they end up becoming wise and they're very caring towards other people. And then sometimes they're actually willing to give other people more and, and, and actually receive something less in return, which is the super mega virtuous charitable ENFPs because they understand that they are so grateful for everything that they've been given that they need to give even more because to a point where it can actually be to the point of healing other people because of how giving they are, right? This is the, the miracle of ENFPs. This is why ENFPs can be the most amazing people or they can be the most selfish and depraved people, but they could be some of the most amazing people because guess what folks? No one can outgive an ENFP. No one can because then you have that virtuous ENFP that's giving out name brand stuff or always making sure that they have the highest quality Christmas gifts for their family, right? Such that the, what they are giving to their family is way better than anything their family is giving to them because they are expressing gratitude to their family, guys. And this is how the INFJ uh, cognitive transition works for ENFPs when it's being in a very orderly manner which is absolutely fantastic, right? And they're not so worried about having less later because when a ENFP is certain, when they are certain that they're going to have more later, they end up giving more. You see the saying? But the more they're worried about, then they're not gonna give as much because they try to hold back, right? Read the parable of the talents. The ENFP is the guy that put uh, the, uh, the the talents, the money into the ground and didn't take it to the bank on interest and then was severely punished by the master, right? Very money-centric uh, uh, personality type. Let's be honest, extremely money-centric. I know this, I'm raising an ENFP. My daughter is an ENFP and let me tell you folks, um, she's very money-centric. That's super fast way to, uh, to motivate uh, my little girl. But that's great because I'm going to teach her entrepreneurship, managing money. Like, for example, with my daughter, like, I have a plan. It's like, okay, you want to make some money? Yeah, daddy, we're going to go make some money. I'm like, okay. And then, uh, and then she'll, she'll be old enough to like mow a lawn or something. I'm like, okay, well, we're going to, you're going to have to take out a loan then. Like, oh, okay, take out a loan. So loan from daddy, right? You got, so you got your lawnmower. Okay. You know, now you have customers. You're charging an hourly rate. You're mowing the lawn. You're earning money. Oh, but you got to pay a little bit on daddy's loan. Oh, you also have to pay money for the fuel and the maintenance on your uh, on your uh, on your lawnmower. And all of a sudden, like as she has this pool of money that she's earned, I'm taking bills away from her and showing her this is how business works. Oh, this is how much you have left. Well, guess what? You need to reinvest that back in your company and you still get zero. And we're going to do that over and over and over again to teach her business financial responsibilities as a young child. Because my hope is with both of my children is that by the time they're 16, they're already capable at making money 
such that they can afford their own car and afford their own insurance uh, and pay for all that themselves uh, without having even graduated high school yet. You know what I'm saying? Hashtag rich dad, poor dad. If you haven't read that book and you're an ENFP, like what the hell are you doing? Seriously. So check that out. Um, I'll actually switch over here. And then the subconscious. Sometimes they're really afraid. They're afraid that they're not always going to be comfortable with things. They're afraid that they're not always going to be safe with things. And uh, because of that, uh, because of that fear, because of that fear of the unknown, they end up not doing research. The ISTJ side of their mind, when they transition into it, it's either going to be something that focuses on absorbing absolute novel information and trivial inf information, information that doesn't even matter, or it's going to actually absorb useful information. Here's an example. Um, a fearful SI inferior, they're going to focus all their time uh, being depraved and self-aggrandizing, but they're also going to be in their comfort zone and develop bad habits. And they end up having bad habits of watching so many hours of Netflix, playing so many hours of video games, uh, and not actually doing anything useful. If they're going to actually spend time reading, and which would be surprising, they'll read a bunch of fiction and not actual nonfiction, right? They're not actually going to be doing things that are useful. They're going to be doing things that are useless. And it's all about, okay, when's my next dopamine fix? When am I, I got, I want to play at that magic card tournament. I want to, I want to get a high level in arenas in World of Warcraft. I really want that red Karaji battle tank mount from uh, Encourage 40, man. And it's, it's the red one. It's the rare one. And I want that just so that I can look good, you know, because ISTJ uh, subconscious, when it's in its fearful form, when it's in a chaotic transition, it's all about making themselves look good instead of actually being good. As long as people think that I'm good, I don't have to be good because it's all about what you think, right? Hashtag Conor McGregor. You know what I'm saying? Because he's an ENFP. So, you know, keep that in mind. You know, it's like, you know, an ENFPs, like, they, they put tattoos on themselves to make themselves look tough, even though they're not actually tough at all. You see, that's one of the reasons why ENFPs put on tattoos. It's also because of their NAE hero symbolism and metaphysical awareness. They like to, uh, you know, have the symbols literally on their skin. It's no different, guys. It's no different. So, anyway... So that's what happens with the ISTJ, right? And uh, uh, so what they end up doing is that they end up developing the good habits, positive habits with their orderly transition, and then they have the habit of reading business acumen. They have the habit of understanding money. They read nonfiction every single day, and ENFPs benefit from reading more so than any other type, such that because they read, they can become insanely brilliant. And I don't know how many ENFPs are in Mensa, but there's a lot of them. Even Ty Lopez, an ENFP with TI Trickster, who is like, no, there's nothing is actually true. It's all about what you believe. Even he got into Mensa because he read his way into Mensa. And ENFPs have such amazing strengths when it comes to reading. Why the hell are you not using your ISTJ subconscious and reading? Because you'll become potentially stronger and smarter than the rest of us. Why aren't you doing that? You benefit from it the most. You learn the fastest. You are triple progression, triple movement types, right? You have that TE child and the SI inferior when it goes aspirational mode because you're using a cognitive transition into here, from here to here. 
you know, con transition, using this second gateway to get into your subconscious and it's becoming aspirational, you remember everything you read and then you use your expert intuition hero to see how it all fits together and you can create, see patterns that lead to new patterns which lead to new beautiful ideas or visions for the future including new ways to conduct business, new ways of value proposition, being able to gain for yourself a lot of status, a lot of riches, so that you can keep being more charitable to other people and expressing gratitude to others, which really makes you ENFPs absolutely fantastic when you're not being a bunch of selfish dicks, you know, which can happen, or when you're actually becoming very charitable and giving. You know, I've had a few ENFPs in my life be insanely giving to me. And I really, really appreciate it. And they expected nothing in return. How many of you ENFPs out there can actually claim that you do that on a regular basis? How many? How many can? Think about that, guys. You really got to think about that. So, so remember, talk about responsibility or responsibility. We talked about uh, fear versus faith. They need to put their faith. You guys, ENFPs need to put their faith into reading nonfiction and putting in their effort and having good habits of doing that instead of having the habits of wasting their time on Netflix or Fox or CBS or who or Amazon Prime, for example, or whatever. It doesn't matter. Or World of Warcraft. I know so many ENFPs that have wasted so much time on World of Warcraft and it's an absolute it's absolutely worthless. It's almost like the worthlessness of their INFJ uh, shadow is just bleeding into their ego, making them even more novel than they were before. That's not, that's not good. An ENFP's usefulness, an ENFP's purpose in life is to be charitable and to be giving to the point where they're giving more than they're taking back because they have the introverted sensing, aspirational endurance of they and they know and they are certain that they're going to get more money back to them later than what they're giving eventually. When you ever hear the law of the harvest, well, that law of the harvest and the law of attraction, that applies to ENFPs more than anybody else. You do realize Tony Robbins is an ENFP, right? Think about that. And then we already talked about worry versus certainty. And down here we have love versus hatred. And ENFPs have this thing where they can be very hateful people just like everybody else. Everyone can be hateful and it's all because of the demon function. And they're very hateful of reality. So am I because to an ENP, reality just sucks. Wow, this sucks. I'm so uncomfortable all the time. And then like I put my loyal I put my loyalty into something and it's like a, usually it's a get rich quick scheme or a multi-level marketing thing or who knows what it is. And then all of a sudden or hey, this is my I win button. This is the snake oil. If you guys kind of understand something like the biggest consumers of snake oil related things are ENFPs. And as much as the biggest sellers of or pushers of snake oils are ENFPs. Think about that for a second. It's an interesting phenomenon. It's because they're looking for those get rich quick, those I win buttons of life. They're looking for it such that they end up sacrificing their fellow human beings, you know, for the, for the sake of their I win button, kind of like a, you know, a multi-level marketing situation, which is dominated by ENFPs more than any other type. And they're all teaching everyone, including themselves, to go see their friend, talk to their friends and family and their sales situation, etc. Yeah, that's really effective. 
No, actually, it's not effective at all because friends and family already know that they have the de reputation of being depraved and all those friends and family just put up with it because for some reason those friends and family are pre-programmed via that FE critic to be enabling to the FI parent and the SI inferior of the ENFP to begin with. And all those people are too afraid to publicly shame that ENFP for their own good. And the faster an ENFP gets to the point where they realize that they need to engage in self-sacrifice self-sacrifice their SI inferior where it becomes aspirational to develop good habits and force themselves to do things that they don't want to do, force themselves to do things that are unknown to them, force themselves to do things that are responsible instead of irresponsible and have habits built around that, they will not be successful in life until they do. And then, and because of that, it will also create a bunch of hate down here and hate of reality. This is why ENFPs often complain about their circumstances even though they're not doing anything about it. Or when they are doing anything about it, they're focusing all their energy on the get-rich-quick schemes instead of actually putting in the hard work. When it's ENFPs that benefit the most from putting in hard work. ENFPs, let me tell you something. You people are talentless. You have no talent. But out of everybody out there, you benefit the most from hard work. So stop trying to be talent. Stop trying to look like you have talent. Who cares? Recognize the truth. You are talentless. Good. Because you are the best hard workers. No one can outwork you. Because you have the endurance. You have aspirational introverted sensing endurance. No one can outwork you. So think about it. Tortoise and the hare, right? The hare has all the talent. The tortoise is the hard worker. Which one wins the race? Hmm. Oh, wait, that's the tortoise, not the hare. It's what you're best at is hard work, trialing and erroring everything out. And as long as you're focused on not novel things, but things that actually matter, meaningful things, your ISTJ subconscious, when you're caught in transition, your subconscious, you won't be hating reality that much. And then you'll actually start to love reality because you are successful, because you have proper healthy habits, because you're using your four sides of the mind properly when you're cognitive transitioning and solving those obstacles and challenges in your life, right? And then you won't have the reputation for being selfish. You'll have the reputation for being charitable and grateful. And everybody will want you and they will make you comfortable and they will want to hear your input. And you'll have such a valuable opinion and voice that everybody will want to use it and, and be near you or a part of your network, right? It's almost like you're just laying there being fed grapes with someone fanning you. You know what I'm saying? That's what ends up happening. But you have to have the charity to back it up. But you can't do that without the proper habits. You know what I'm saying? You need to stop being hateful and stop hating reality because it's your fault for not putting in the work to make your reality better. Ty Lopez, he's an ENFP. He'd be the first one to tell you. Uh, Owen Cook. Uh, AKA RSD Tyler, he's an ENFP. He'd be the first one to tell you. Corey Wayne, he's the author of How to uh, How to Be a Three Percent Man. Read that book. He's an ENFP. They'd all be the first one to tell you that hard work means everything. Talent is nothing. Hard work is everything. So focus on hard work. 
You'll start to hate. You'll, you'll, you won't hate reality anymore. You'll actually start to love it. And based on that, because of that, you will be able to start strengthening other people and you will be able to test the integrity of the society you're in or the community you're in. And like, like I said, that vision of like that, that huge church conglomerate, that mosque conglomerate bringing in money to help uh, bring in a hospital to the community. These these areas of massive change for the community as a result of your vision would actually come to pass and be possible. Where nothing you set out to do will be impossible for you. But if you want to just, if you're so focused on just getting yours, well, that'll never happen. Because, you know, what little somebody has, even that will be taken away from him. Or he who has, more will be given to him. That's what it means, ENFPs, and that is how your cognitive transitions work, guys. So recognize these things, become a better person. I also go in way deeper on season 19. Go to csjoseph.life forward slash Patreon, uh, become a gold tier member, and then watch the season 19 episode for ENFPs. I believe it is episode 9. Uh, and on episode nine, uh, you watch how to become the best ENFP and really uh, take all these things that we've learned here in this particular lecture within season 22 to get to a higher level for yourself, right? To be on a path of continuous improvement and developing positive, good, healthy habits so that those habits will take you to the next level. So you stop hating reality and start loving reality. And then you start giving to everyone because you know through your own philosopher's stone of hard work and self-sacrifice in your life, you will never be penniless again. You will always have. I promise you. So, Anyway, if you found this lecture useful, helpful, educational, enlightening, please subscribe to the channel here on YouTube and leave a like. Also, you could follow us on the podcast. That'd be nice. csjoseph.life forward slash podcast for that. Uh, if you guys haven't gotten the ultimate messaging formula, I highly recommend you do to help learn how to type yourself and others through the Type Grid 3.0 and its companion materials, as well as learn how to talk to other people in a sales and marketing situation, which heavily benefits ENFPs, let's be honest. You can find that at ultimatemessagingformula.com as well. Uh, also, the masterclass, uh, we did it. It was absolutely fantastic. Um, but anyway, uh, with that being said, folks, uh, it's been uh, fantastic, and I'll see you guys uh, next time. Have a good night.